this is Margaret Coatman Frankowitz with another episode of Diabetic Survival. If you are just tuning in, thank you so much for tuning in. This is where I actually talk a bit about events and a little bit about diabetes. So I've actually posted a lot of information about diabetes and um, have actually made references to people such as Dr. Sarah Hallberg, Dr. Bernstein, um, Dennis Pollock, who actually got me started on this. He, he actually inspired me to actually do this, uh, to actually talk about diabetes. But I thought that it would be kind of cool to actually get diabetics perspective on diabetes. So here I am. Not a doctor by any means. I have worked in the medical field in the past, but I'm not a doctor. I'm just a, the diabetic girl living with diabetes. And so I've been through it all, including the faults positives of actually thinking that I could live my life normally and I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of coming out of the diabetic closet to let you know that um, once you have diabetes you're you're not going to be able to eliminate it I mean you can get better but um, the thing is is that you'll either always be on a special diet or you will always be on medication in order to control that diabetes. So if you get that false hope that, oh, you're cured, unless Jesus himself is telling you, that may not be the case because diabetes will come back with a vengeance to a lot of us, especially if we're genetically predisposed for diabetes. And of course, we can go ahead and blame our food chain system. Um, I think they meant well when they were actually producing more food and trying to find ways to actually produce more crops and and grow more things to feed more people. Um, however, you know, you know that old saying where they say the there's um, a road to hell paved with good intentions. I don't know if you ever heard that. Sometimes there is. I'm not saying in all cases, but. I think that uh, with the food supply chain, you know, the whole mission was to feed the world. And what a beautiful mission that was. I mean, isn't that a beautiful mission? So they ended up taking away farmers' lands. So farmers had to end up moving to the cities and getting city jobs because, of course, they paid more at the time. I think now you'd actually make more as a farmer, maybe, just depending on how you actually go about that. But, um... The whole point was is they'd have these certain farmers actually growing the crops and growing, you know, massive yields of crops. But, you know, the things that they didn't know back then that we know now, such as the pesticides that they used uh, in the soil and the water and the food, etc., uh, the types of grain that they fed the cattle, um, all these things have actually conspired against us and has changed our genetic code to be more susceptible to diabetes. This is my belief. And it's not just my belief. Some of this stuff is actually proven on YouTube if you actually have enough time to actually go through YouTube and see all the craziness on there. Um, things like Monsanto putting certain poisons in the food. I'm sure that it was not done deviously. Okay. I think that they meant well, that they wanted to actually benefit humanity, but they needed a way to actually prevent uh, bugs, for instance, from destroying the crops. And that makes sense, right? 
so they put these these poisons in, in things like corn and corn's not even I mean you can't even find uh, something that's not hybrid anymore when it comes to corn and so many other products like bananas even that aren't you know in some form or fashion dangerous to a person in the long run but I mean it's kind of moronic to think that these effects aren't going to have effect on the human body they're like trying to figure out well, let's see, humans are, you know, they're sort of eating a little bit, you know, out of their regular dietary conditions. You know, their dietary uh, habits have changed a little bit, mod been modified a little bit, but some people have some serious weight gain and they're just eating just like regular people, ordinary. And, uh, you know, this is something that I actually noticed uh, way back when, when I was going to high school, you know, we had, um, you know, you have different types of people that you hang out with, and of course, I had my group of girlfriends that I hung out with, and we all, <laughs> we were always dieting, we were always trying to find that perfect diet, and, you know, barely eating anything, you know, eating lettuce to try to lose weight, and we're just not losing weight, and we don't get it, and we want to look thin and perfect like a lot of the girls there, and we're just not cutting the mustard in any form or fashion. So, uh, it was something that I noticed way back in high school that something was having an effect. And of course, I just, I just kind of tossed it off too. I just need to exercise more. So I was exercising like two hours a day. I'd go for my little walks, an hour in the morning, an hour at night. And, you know, I did lose a little bit of weight, but I never was like, you know, like supermodel thin, like my mother was by any means. And, um, when she was younger my age so it, it and of course my mother she gained weight um, when she hit her 20s and she always blamed it on having kids but I think there was something a little bit more devious with the foods that uh, we were consuming that actually caused weight gain because of course um, my mother being super real thin when she was a teenager when she was an adult she ate the same way and she just couldn't understand why she was gaining weight and she talked to her doctors about it and they say it was her metabolism so and I mean it's kind of a big deal when you go from you know like when my mother got married she was 98 pounds I think um and she was a beautiful woman by the way and then when she was actually older I think she said that after, I think her second child she cried because she was 140 pounds now if I was 140 pounds in my 20s which I was not I would absolutely be super happy. I'd, I'd just be elated because I was I was actually much hev heavier than that. I wasn't too much heavier, but I was heavier than that. And uh, so she's super sad about this. And I'm just kind of looking at her like she's crazy. I think my father was looking at her like she was crazy too. My father didn't care if she gained some weight. You know. Um, But the thing was, is she did care because that was her whole image. That's who she was. Is she was the thin girl and she was popular and people were amazed that she could be so real thin. So anyways, uh, when she got older, she didn't want her kids going through that. She wanted her kids to be healthy and happy. And I, I guess it was something that carried over from when she was a teenager and she didn't eat that much and you know of course her mother kept her on a strict diet and of course her mother was um you know beauty queen in texas which is kind of cool to know that um and i guess my great grandmother was actually a ballerina 
which is kind of cool too. Um, not something that, no, no, I didn't do any of that stuff, so I didn't have that kind of weird talent. Like, I, I was more of kind of like a, like, if I was not a Christian, I'd be practicing yoga right now, but I don't practice yoga because it's a different religion. But, anyways, um, so it was a t- certain type of mindset. But, you know, I, I really have to thank my mother for one thing. Well, actually, many things, but this is one thing that that I, I just love about her. She didn't want me to go through what she went through. Whatever it was she went through when she was achieving that 98 pounds at you know, 18, 19 years old when she was aspiring to become you know, the next supermodel. Okay, maybe that's a little bit of a lot of variation. She was just trying to be a model. <laughs> she never said anything about supermodel. But she had people calling her all the time for beauty tips. So, you know, there's that. But anyway, she didn't want... You no, know, even though she, she gave me, like, her beauty tips and stuff, she didn't want me to go on any weird diets that she went on. You know, like you hear about the, the, the models who will eat, like, a cup of rice a day. Or they'll have, like, a cup of rice or maybe quarter cup of chicken if you really have to eat anything. Drink tons of water. I've even heard stories about people soaking cotton balls in water. That's another story that was for another day. I don't want to tell you about some of the horrendous things that I actually heard, you know, like bulimia and stuff of that nature, where women were just trying to gain that ideal figure that they thought was the most quote-unquote attractive. And I mean, my teenage years, I was no different. Um, even though my mother encouraged me to be who I was and not to try to, to be somebody who suffered from anorexia or bulimia, I still ended up suffering, yet I am a recovering. I recovered as well from bulimia. You know, because I tried the whole anorexic thing and that didn't really work. Well, the bulimic thing didn't really work either. I maybe lose a pound, but then I gain it right back. And I do the bulimic thing again, lose another pound, get it right back. So this is kind of like one of those things. Teenage years, right? Teenagers do stupid things. That was the stupid thing I did as a teenager. I ended up stopping that um, before it did any long-term damage, thank goodness. But um, it's not something I don't want to relive. It is definitely the dirty and ugly side of trying to achieve beauty. Okay, so why am I telling you all this? Well, there's a reason why I'm actually talking about this. Um, I was on a Facebook post today, and I actually have certain artist guilds that I actually belong to. And occasionally you'll see people post their own art, and it's really cutesy and stuff. And uh, Sometimes you'll see photography. Well, this one lady, she took a picture of herself um, in a corner in a dark room. And she's depressed, and she's very dangerously anorexic. I mean, her bones are, I mean, you can see the bones, her rib cage in the back just sticking out. You can see all the bones and everything. And, you know, you can tell she's going down a really dark, dangerous, dangerous path. And, you know, when people see it, they're just, they're just gawking at it, right? And that's, that's good art for you. I mean, art is something that actually evokes response. And so, of course, I see this, and the first thought in my head is, is well, one, she's something depressed. What she needs to do, she needs to get a cheeseburger. I was very insensitive. I 
was very insensitive to her plight, but there's a reason why I said it. And of course, they didn't wait for me to actually provide an, an explanation before they blocked me. They just blocked me. And uh, of course, they didn't know me, so of course, um, I'm gonna get blocked. They're gonna just see me as, you know, a typical troll. And I wasn't necessarily trolling, I was actually evoking a response. And it's something they will never know now because I was blocked. I mean, I'm a human being. I have emotions. I have a reason to say what I have to say. I think it's very important. So the next, I'm going to do the next best thing. I'm going to talk about it on my podcast. I mean, if they don't know I'm a podcaster, right? So anyways, okay, yes. For those of you that just think that I'm like absolutely cruel, sorry. I, I, I do like to cut to the chase sometimes. I like being truthful. I think the truth will set you free. So let's look at the response I gave. Stop being depressed, eat a cheeseburger. I don't necessarily see anything wrong with that. By telling somebody who's 80 freaking pounds that she needs to stop being depressed, eat a cheeseburger. Instead of turning around saying, well, how do I do that? You're just going to block me and allow the person to still continue to be depressed and anorexic? I mean, give me a break. This girl needs help. I'm not the one that needs help. This girl needs help. This is the reason why she's posting the pictures, because she needs somebody to be truthful and honest with her. And you're going to block me for it. So, one thing I've noticed in society, now for instance, you can take um, a really large woman on for instance, torrid, and she's celebrating her body, she's advertising her clothes, or just big women in general. They're celebrating their body. They're wearing their clothes. And somebody says, oh, you're too fat to model. And the heckling starts there. And it continues. And it continues. And it continues. And nobody stops it. Wow. What's wrong with society? This is double standards. See, you're going to tell a fat girl that she already knows that she's fat. Just like the skinny girl already knows that she's skinny. The skinny girl needs to realize that she can eat. She's allowed to eat. This is something that my mother was telling me when I was a kid. You're going to be allowed to eat. I'm not going to have society treat you the same way society treated me. Where I had to pretend to be perfect when I'm not. This girl, the only help that she may have had, being so desperate to take her picture in a dark room, Showing the the lines on her skeleton, on on her slowly wasting away, she needed somebody to say something to her. Like, get a cheeseburger, stop being depressed. And some people say, no, no, it's not so easy. Well, what if I told her to take a value, or maybe to go see a doctor? Would you still block me? It's the same thing. The doctor's gonna say, to, you know, eat a cheeseburger, stop being depressed. Go out in the sun. Get some vitamin D. Take care of yourself. Find something worth living for. So, you know, I always try to end my podcast with being kind to each other. And so some of you may be thinking, wow, that is really contradictory towards what you usually say when you say be kind to each other. And then you're like bashing this poor anorexic girl, telling her she needs to eat a cheeseburger. Okay, let's pause a minute here. 
it's my opinion, I was being super kind to this girl by telling her the truth. The truth that I know, okay? That my food can actually release endorphins into the body and actually brighten your mood. If I would have actually had a chance before being banned, I would have actually explained my point. I would have actually gone into detail about it. But of course, I wasn't given that opportunity because the quote-unquote troll haters, anytime they hear any type of negativity towards anything or any contradictory type of information, they're just automatically going to ban you. you got to realize that I have a point I need to make too. That's why I'm on your page is to critique your art. Just like my art is critiqued. I mean, I don't necessarily do the greatest paintings all the time. It doesn't look like Leonardo da Vinci or anything. Sometimes it's just okay. But, you know, I take criticism because that's what we do as artists. If you don't like it, that's okay. I'm sure you'll find a piece of artwork you do enjoy. But I also might actually amuse one or two people. So that's why I'm here. That's why I do what I do. That's the reason why I podcast. I'm not here to please everybody. I can't please everyone. Um, I can't be the be-all, end-all to everybody. But there's going to be somebody that actually resonates with what I have to say. And those are the people I'm reaching out to, right? So to that poor, anorexic girl, I meant what I said. You know what? You need a cheeseburger. You got a problem with depression. Maybe the food will help you release some endorphins that you need in your body so your body feels better. There are so many foods out there that are like natural aphrodisiacs that'll just boost your mood. It'll make you put it make you and put you in a better place than what you are currently. But you know, when pointing out the obvious is a crime now, a Facebook crime, then you know we got a problem. We got a shallow bunch of thinkers that would have never passed a critical thinking class in college. I know doctors who can't even pass a critical thinking course. But I'm not talking about them today. I'm talking about this poor girl. So I hope that she gets the help that she needs. And I hope she doesn't end up to be a Karen Carpenter. Karen Carpenter, uh, for those who don't know. I'm sure everybody knows who Karen Carpenter was. She actually died from anorexia back in the 70s. And she's a beautiful girl, but people didn't realize that she was crying out for help. And people were just telling her how beautiful she was. How lovely her music was. How wonderful it was. And... Her brother was always constantly, this from what I remember, um, was constantly telling her that she was fat, putting her down. So she was always trying to diet and lose weight. I mean, you know, family can be like your worst critics, right? And, you know, being thin in the 70s was just absolutely the way to go. And, you know, before they actually introduced, like, poisons and stuff into our food to where we can never go back to that. (laughs) is kind of funny. I mean, most people don't look like that now. <laughs> you look back at the 70s and you're like, gee whiz, they did a lot of drugs. to be that way. Um, so being kind to each other does not necessarily mean that you can be stupid or let somebody die or something of that nature. I mean, it's kind of like the same critics that would slap some a cigarette out of somebody's hand. Don't smoke that. It'll give you cancer. But 
if the smoker was wheezing and coughing and, and, and screaming in pain or something and saying, I just can't breathe, I don't know what's wrong with me, as they're smoking two or three cigarettes at the same time, you'd probably say, hey, listen, idiot, you know what, if you put down the cigarette, you probably could breathe. Try not smoking and see how that works for you. Not bashing smokers either here, okay? Or an alcoholic saying, I just don't know why I'm so stupid when I drink. I'm just like such an imbecile. I just just don't know why I have to be so stupid. And he slapped the beer in their hands. They're like, oh, but that's my beer. It's, it's the same process. <laughs> but instead, I'm, I'm like going, here, here's a cheeseburger. Here, eat it. You'll feel better. I mean, one of the burgers not going to make her fat. I mean, it's just going to help her to feel better, you know? It, what she does after that's her business, but, you know, if she wants to stop being depressed, let her stop being depressed. Find a solution. Nobody's finding a solution for this girl. They're just admiring her art, and that's probably what her intention was, just to be admired her art. But she just really needed somebody to tell her the harsh truth. Hey, the cheeseburger. Okay, so, moving on. I wanted to talk about Adele. Adele... Well, she has a beautiful voice. We talked a little bit about Karen Carpenter, and of course, Karen Carpenter had a wonderful voice too. She had a beautiful voice back in the 70s. But Adele is definitely where it's at right now. She's got the most loveliest voice I ever wish I could have had. I don't even attempt her songs. I do love and enjoy singing karaoke, right? But I cannot sing Adele's songs. All I can do is stand back and admire the genius of her voice and her songs and regular people don't get it a lot of people still see Adele as the fat chick and I just see her as the well talented fat chick beautiful um, and then when she lost all that weight um, people were just absolutely in awe she lost like 60 pounds or something I'm not quite sure what diet she was on it resembled keto, but I, I did hear that she was exercising like twice a day, and she she had cut a bunch of stuff out of her diet, so she was on a special diet to lose all that weight, and people were just absolutely amazed by how beautiful this woman was, as if she wasn't beautiful before. I mean, you know, she, I, I don't know how big she was, but she was beautiful before, so afterwards she was just as beautiful. I mean, she kept the same face. Actually, she was, I think she was cuter, a little bit chubbier. But, um, you know, in a world full of thin people, I guess she was beautiful, right? So, um, I remember her, I remember what she said, and it just absolutely took me back, because I hadn't seen her on her thin side yet. Um, so I still assumed she was just like kind of the cherub beautiful person that she was. Everyone was talking about her mass weight loss. I was getting a little bit disappointed, because I didn't know what to expect. And of course, she is beautiful. Um... But one of the things was, is she was even shocked by what, what she actually heard. You know, people were going on about how beautiful she looked in clothes now, and how pretty she was, etc. And that's great to get that kind of fanfare. I mean, every, every woman loves to be told that they're beautiful, right? But she said something that, like, totally shook me to my core. She said... You know, everybody's telling me how beautiful I am, and they haven't even asked me if it's affected my voice. And I'm just like, oh, no, not the voice, no. 
And there was no response to it. I did not see a response to that except for what she had said to there. And then, of course, I had to check a bunch of photos to see what she looked like now. And I'm just like, eh, she's okay, you know. She's in. She looks good in clothes. She looks like she belongs in Hollywood. Okay, yeah, Starlet. Um, and she's going to finally get the recognition that she deserves, if not more so, for being the goddess that she is. But Adele, you've always been beautiful, and you've always had a great voice. So, I mean... Her change was for her, I believe, um, and it just happened that everything rolled over, which is good. That's so healthy. You know, that's the way it should be. With Karen Carpenter, though, it was, it was more tragic because she kept losing weight, kept losing weight, kept losing weight, because thin was thin back then. You know, the thinner the better. You couldn't be too thin. And it's kind of like Hollywood today still. Like, thin is beautiful. They equate beautiful to being thin. It doesn't matter what's going on on the inside, as long as you look good on the outside. Um, and, of course, she died. Carpenter died. We lost her. I think she died in her mid-30s. And that's a tragedy. Just like it would have been a tragedy for this, this artist that I saw. But she would have died. And so that's kind of a scary afterthought really so being kind to somebody is not slowly watching somebody die sometimes it's stepping in and saying things that you know are going to rub people the wrong way I think the older generation gets this the younger generation may not get this yet because you know young and dumb that's how we always were in our 20s and 30s we didn't necessarily correlate what was going on the inside with the outside and how we actually reacted to certain things but I think that, you know, when you get older, middle-aged or older, and you start thinking about your connection with a higher power, or let's say God, Jesus, and you start correlating that to your creator and what's going to happen to you after, you know, you turn into dust once again with the earth and become dust with, with the world, you start thinking about your afterlife and what you've done and what good you can do to kind of make up for the bad stuff that you've done in life. But I really think that good works, sometimes they aren't necessarily the kindest words. John the Baptist, for instance, he was not. He was a very uh, blunt, upfront man. He's like, Jesus Christ is coming and you need to turn back from your evil ways. You need to stop doing this and this and this because, you know, if you don't, your creator's gonna like... I mean, he, that was the best gift of love ever, if you think about it, because uh, John the Baptist was actually talking about Jesus Christ, for instance, and he's warning these people, it's like, turn away from your sin and look to God, because God is the one who's gonna take you into the next life. And so, of course, as a Christian me personally as a Christian, I look at this world as kind of like a temporary temporary holding cell in a way. Uh, not necessarily good, not necessarily evil, kind of a mixture of both before I actually hopefully am worthy enough to be in God's kingdom. And the reason why I believe in Jesus Christ is because he is that, that bridge that actually finished that gap so that I can be with my creator. So, um, kind of the old law stated that 
you know, you needed to sacrifice animals and stuff for your for your sins. But then with Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ sacrificed himself. This is a perfect being that sacrificed himself because he loved humanity. He loved his creation. And that is the most beautiful gift any of us can have. And when you look at his life and everything that he sacrificed just to sacrifice himself so that... And, you know, as Christians, we no longer have to sacrifice animals um, because Jesus Christ was our sacrifice. And it's through him we are saved. John 3.16 reads... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And in today's times, you know, people everywhere, everywhere, secular, Christian, Muslim, you name it, we're all feeling the persecution right now. We're all feeling it. We all need to find our way out of this mess. We need to stop letting the oppressors oppress us. So with that being said um, on Christianity, if you get a chance to actually um, go to TikTok and actually type in Christianity and start listening to some of the podcasts, you can learn a little bit more about some of the amazing positive messages that are actually going out there and supporting other Christians and making them feel like a million bucks. I'm, I'm serious. Um because Jesus is where it's at. Well, okay, so the the sort of bad sort of news is, well, I mean, I took on like six different freaking jobs just trying to make it. And, you know, I'm doing this because, um, well, I need to pay my bills. So I take on one job after another. You know, one job kind of fails, so I got to take on another job, and I got to take on another job, you know, just trying to do whatever I can to survive. Um... Now, if I went out and got the vaccine, I could have a very good paying job in Pennsylvania somewhere, so I'd have to, like, get up, move, and destroy my life in order to do that, and this doesn't seem very smart, but I could make, like, 50 bucks an hour. I'm passing it up. I'm passing it up because it's just kind of like one of those whims. There's no guarantee, and, you know, they say that they're offering 50 bucks, but there's plenty of jobs out there that say that they're offering big time bucks and just they don't pan out they're not real they're fake and really the only jobs out there are paying minimum wage even the jobs that say oh we pay you know a little bit more than that aren't really paying that they're paying minimum wage they just take more out in the taxes and, you know give you your check and pretend you know you gotta pretend pretend like you're dumb and just take it so I was working this horrible job at Walmart where I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and spill it out because I'm no longer working there. So hallelujah, I have been saved from slavery. Okay, so um, I was working this job for Walmart through this third-party affiliate because that's how they're doing it now at Walmart. They actually uh, hire people in, you know, kind of like the, you know, the people who don't get any of the benefits or anything, you know, just come in and do a job or whatnot and walk away but these people thought that they could take advantage of me now mind you I just started a couple weeks ago but they started right off the get-go trying to take advantage of me making it hard to actually clock in making it hard to clock out 
know, clocking out through multiple systems, clocking in through multiple systems, checking in with like 10 different freaking managers just to do a job. And of course, the more I question this, they're like, oh, don't worry, it'll get easier with time. But what I found is that there was no stock to actually put on the shelves. And so I wasn't paid for the whole time that I was there while I was busy searching for whatever I needed to search for, or that I'd have to contact the manager. This is after a job was already done. I have to contact somebody and um, report what their name was. You know, it was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I felt like I was in third grade reporting to my third grade teacher all the time about everything. And of course, this is not how I work. This is not how I've ever worked. And I realized that, you know, they're just pulling wool over people's eyes. So I looked in a radius of 50 miles. Um, I kept getting these job offers from Walmart. And I ended, how I got stuck in this, mind you, is I actually applied for an optometrist position at a Walmart because they said they'd train and pay really good. Well, I didn't actually get the optometrist job. I actually ended up getting, you know, the stocking job, you know, like 11 miles away. They pay a little bit more than minimum wage, but at the same time, um, you know, like you'll say like it's for 5.25 hours or something, and then you got to sign up for it, put your time down and everything. But then when you can't do your job, then you have to deduct your time. So they're all about, you know, them making more money off of you and scamming you. So the thing is, is if it takes you seven hours to do a five and a half or 5.25 hour job, you just have to eat that. But if it's only 30 minutes because there's no stock, well, you only get paid for 30 minutes. So it's just absolutely not even across the board. They're all out for themselves, very greedy, very selfish, very manipulative. And if this is the way Walmart's working, then I just, you know, I, I would have to say that Walmart's kind of like digging their own grave here because... I don't think this is how um, the founder of Walmart would have liked this store to actually go. Because from what I heard about Walton from Walmart, is he's actually very generous with his drivers. And he was actually generous with his employees. You know, to a point. Um, but I think he'd absolutely be offended by this new manipulative behavior by Walmart. So I, I eventually just unleashed the wild woman in me and went off my rails because um, I'm telling you, if you're not going to pay me for my time, I'm going to give you a tongue lashing. Not a bad tongue lashing or anything, but I'm going to definitely be very assertive and say, hey, look, I'm not going to work seven hours and only get paid 5.25 hours. I'm not going to come here for 30 minute jobs when I was scheduled for 5.25 hours and I don't appreciate being taken advantage of. And I don't think I like this job. As a matter of fact, I think I, you know, working past one day at this job was too much. So I don't think I was too rude with my manager. Um, I was actually very, just assertive about this. And she wrote me this nice, pleasant email that she understood. Um, technically, I don't think they ever actually planned on hiring me, or maybe they hired me by mistake. Maybe they thought I was some, like, college kid, and I would just do anything for a buck or two here and there. Um, so I think they kind of underestimated me, and they underestimated my, my previous employment, even though I told them, like, for instance, I had been, like, a shift manager back in the 90s, for 
yourself like a corporation. So I think they, they were trying to take advantage of somebody. And I've noticed a lot of jobs are like that now, where they just want to underpay you and overwork you. And so I can completely understand why people are not working now. So if you're out there and you're wondering why there's all these unemployed people not working, and there's all these jobs out there, it's because they're using very manipulative tactics to not only underpay somebody, but starve them to death, to where they're going to be living out of their car. And I do know people who live out of their car and have had to live out of their car. And this is absolutely a crime that society needs to solve, and they don't need to solve it in a harmful way. I think that when you're a 1099 employee, that's where you're paying your own taxes, you're your sole proprietor, that you do put yourself out there to get screwed a lot. Um, however, you have more control over um, what you will and what you will not accept. And it also gives you your voice back. You're just like, okay, I'm not going to tolerate this. I don't care. You're not going to take advantage of me. I'm not, I'm not I'm going to be forced to go into a job that I don't want when there's like 10 other crappy jobs to replace you in a heartbeat. And um, so eventually, I mean, these employers certainly won't learn anything. Uh, they'll continue to take advantage of people. But um, I think the, the country, for instance, is really moving into a spot where, you know, you become your own boss. You're, you're making your own money because these employers will never, ever treat you right. They just won't. So when you're a 1099 employee or sole proprietor because there's just a bunch of crappy jobs out there, <laughs> this is funny. I, I mean, I bought a uh, almost new, brand new Honda um, uh, probably a couple weeks ago. And I was actually pretty surprised that I got it because I'm like, oh, I don't know if they're going to enjoy the fact that I'm working like six different jobs, but they didn't mind. So, okay. But I started thinking about it because we started talking about jobs and stuff and I, I try to pick up work where, wherever I can. You know, I have my stable work and then I have my, I'll work this job for a little while until they screw me over and I'm done. And he's like, well, if you ever need a job, I think we have a job where we're actually moving cars, you know, get paid even between seven, eight dollars an hour. And I'm just kind of looking at him like, Wow, that's great. That'll cover the car insurance on my car. That's certainly not going to cover my car payment, so thank you, but nothing. So, um, I just think it's kind of funny how people want you to spend money, but they don't really know where you're supposed to get it from. And now we have cryptocurrency. Yay! I've, I've talked to you about my favorite cryptocurrency out there. And, and of course, everybody's favorite is Bitcoin. You know, some people like the Shiba Inu, some people like the Floki, some people like these other coins and stuff. But um, that's something where you have to be particularly cautious as well with, with the cryptocurrency world. And there's some things that I found out after, much after the fact, after I already invested um, a little bit of money. I didn't, I didn't invest much, but I did invest some. And that is when you're actually investing on a platform such as Coinbase or whatnot, they actually suggest you actually get a wallet to actually store, store your coin on if you're going to be hodling it. That's H-O-L-D. No, H-O-D-L. Hodls. Hold for a long time. Something like that. And um, one of the things that I found out, though, while I was playing around, fiddling around with this wallet, is, I mean, not only are they charging you to buy this coin, for one, they charge you like a, a base fee, but then I noticed the reason why they actually brought out the wallets 
was because they can charge you more money to put money into your account. And of course, then they're going to charge you more money on top of that to take it out. So please be aware of where you're actually sticking your coin if you're buying cryptocurrency. I just thought I'd give you that disclaimer because I have talked, I have actually talked about cryptocurrency like enthusiastically in the past. Um, now I'm just kind of looking at it like, I'm starting to think that maybe it might just be safer to keep your money under a mattress because at least you'll sleep better at night knowing where your money's at. So if you don't have roommates, you might be in good shape. But one of the things I've noticed, and everybody has a card nowadays, get a Coinbase card, get a special, you know, Walmart card, get, get this bank card over here, get this card over here. I probably have like 20 different freaking cards I'm not even using because, well, one, I'm just not rich enough to do that, and two, I just don't want to dis- diversify my money that much because you never know who's charging fees. And it's funny because the banks aren't charging fees for their cards. At least I haven't experienced that with the checking accounts. There's some that still are, but there's a lot of banks out there. It's like zero for checking, zero for savings. Kind of unbelievable. They're not even charging transaction fees when you make a purchase. They just want you to go all digital, right? And, uh, which is good and all. So there's like the only hidden fees you might have is like if you bounce a check. Well, if you bounce out of your, your, your bank account or whatnot, you might actually have, for instance, a gratuity period where they actually pay for your bounce check if you're lucky. Or they may not. It's their decision, which I think is kind of goofy because they may not decide not to cover whatever you're trying to cover and then charge you the fee on top of it. But I noticed with my bank that I've had for, for at least five years, I, I, the reason why I got them is because they had a very low um, bounce check fee type deal. It's like 14 bucks or something. They have since raised it over the past four years to $27, I've noticed. And that's pretty shocking to me. Of course, I didn't notice it right away because I don't bounce checks. I mean, it's kind of rare. The only time I bounce a check is if I put it in the wrong account and then draw off of it. And I mean, that happened twice last year. Um, and I was kind of shocked. I'm like, oh, crap, you drew out of the wrong account. And so I call them up and say, well, the money's actually in this account. And they, they went ahead and covered the fee. So they're not like uh, Bank of America that would just rip out like 40-some-odd dollars for a bad check or something, you know. Or, um, you know, there's some, some really devious banks out there. Like, I don't trust Wells Fargo. I don't trust, uh, you know, some of the bigger-named branches. Chase, I don't know, maybe... I, I didn't have too many problems with Chase. I just, I had them and I, I got tired of them. I think I was paying $10 a month just to have that account. It was kind of crap. So I, I ended up closing them and going to a credit union that didn't charge anything. But yeah, there's some pretty devious practices out there. I think that, and I don't have any cash. So don't get any ideas here. I don't have any cash in my case, but I had to actually, um, spend all my cash to actually pay for rent because of course my job decided to cut my wages one month and uh, of course that ate up all everything that I had saved up to um, actually put in my savings and I think that happens to a lot of Americans they think they have this money and the next thing they know their employers are stiffing them or you know just cutting back their hours and then they don't have money anymore 
So point being, I can really understand why people are quitting their jobs and I don't know, maybe they're living with relatives or mom's basement or with friends or whatever. They're trying to build themselves up, have their own jobs or looking at NFTs and cryptocurrency and we're starting their own, you know, fashion design line or something to actually accrue their own income and make something of themselves so that they can have a life. Uh, old system doesn't work anymore. So the old system of working, you know, 80 hours a week or something, still not, you know, you, you might have your bills paid for and stuff, but, you know, do you even see your family? <laughs> do you know who your family members are? I think that's where, for years, our society has been attacked to where we don't even know who our own family members are anymore. We don't even have time for them anymore. We don't even consider them family anymore. I mean, um, people, you know, might call you, you know, I might call my brother. My brother's like, who are you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were family like, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But, you know, life got a little bit more difficult and I had to end up working two jobs and... I totally, I don't even know who my kids are, <laughs> let alone who my brothers and sisters are. I mean, I'm joking about this, but this is reality. This does happen. And then some of us, you know, we're just scraping by, and then somebody in the family dies, and we can't even make it to the funeral because we live like 3,000 miles away, or we're in the middle of a move, or we just lost a job, or we just bought another car, and so we're strapped, and so we can't go to the funeral. And then with COVID, that just made it worse. So, I mean, this is this is not anything new or anything, but um, I think that the way that we think about things definitely needs to be um, reevaluated because I think we forget about those that we love, let alone, you know, that that person in high school who we want to check up on, <laughs> see how they're doing, and see if they need any help because we're we're better off and we might want to help them out of that nature and this is definitely not for instance the message that that Jesus actually was giving when he was here on this earth you know, over 2,000 years ago so he was like love your brother and your, love your sister and love your neighbor as yourself be friends with your neighbor and um, I think we've forgotten all those things and that's just absolutely tragic and now I mean, there's so much I can actually talk about. I should actually wrap this up, but, um, so, I mean, life is hard enough. I would, I would just have to end it with this. Life is hard enough. Well, we have diabetes that we have to deal with now, too, and we're in one of those worlds where, like, nobody cares about what you're going through, and if you do have a loved one, cares about what you're going through um, you hold on to them because they are a precious jewel because there's not enough caring in this world there's plenty of people that are isolated that don't have family around them they don't have anybody to turn to I mean that you know God forbid they don't even have God to turn to in prayer because they don't let's say they don't believe in God or Maybe they kind of fell away from the faith or something of that nature because they didn't feel it was important to them. But um, I think especially when you're alone, when you don't have family members and uh, you don't have anything else, 
this may be a perfect time for you to turn to God because we have a limited amount of time on this earth. And so I would get to know your creator because that's the person who will save your soul in the end. And we all deserve eternal life. We had somebody pay the price for that over 2,000 years ago. And um, the best way that we can honor him is just by doing what he commanded and that's to love one another. So that's what, why I'm actually sharing this podcast. Is, that's me sharing a little bit of my love with you. So anyways, again, be kind to each other. I Hopefully I kind of explained it. And yeah, I'm a little bit controversial at times. Like I was the, the, the lady who posted a picture to glorify anorexia and disturb children all over the world that they needed to be just like her. Uh, beautiful picture, but it's very sad at the same time because um, if I was a 13 or 14 year old impressionable girl, which at one point I was, I would look at that photo and say, wow, that is a beautiful portrait and if I want to be loved I have to be like her and I certainly don't want another 13 or 14 year old girl to go through that or to go through what I did so that's why I'm explaining that alright but those 13 14 year old girls are probably not listening to this podcast not until they're like 50 um, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up this has been the diabetic girl for diabetic survival my name is Margaret Franklitz thank you very much for listening and continue to listen to this channel. And I hope that you have a great night. God bless you.